Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Becoming a mother, we go through a huge change physically, emotionally, and hormonally. This transition hasn't ever been properly explained or studied, and it can mean that many women are left to deal with this massive change by themselves. This can also lead to deep issues that many women don't even realize that they are dealing with. This change is known as matrescence and is the transition that we go through when becoming a mother. But why aren't we taught about this? Today, we explore this and more with award-winning author and journalist Lucy Jones who's here with me now. Hi, Lucy. Hello. Thank you for Hello. having me on. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I was really excited about this. We're talking about Matrescence. It's your new book, which is titled Matrescence on the Metamorphosis of Pregnancy, Childbirth and Motherhood. This is something that I have definitely felt, but I didn't know that there was a word for it. I didn't know that there was something behind this. Can you take us through this? How do you define matrescence? Where's this come from? Yes, gladly. I think it's just a transformative word. I first heard this word, it was about kind of five or so years ago. My first child was about nine months old and I was kind of struggling to adapt to motherhood in some ways. You know, I was overjoyed to be pregnant, loved my baby, but felt that there was a real kind of seismic change that had happened to me. I just felt really different and my brain felt different. My relationships had changed, my identity, my body, of course. Um, And at the time, I thought there was something kind of wrong with me. You know, I'd been told like, like we do to enjoy every minute and this will be the best time of your life. And actually, you know, I found... It very hard to soothe my baby. I had lots of struggles with breastfeeding. Birth was a massive shock that I was unprepared for. I was very lonely. I was very isolated, you know, spending kind of most days on my own with a new baby. It just was very discombobulating. God, Lucy, this sounds exactly like it was nine months for me too. I just was, I got to nine months. I just thought, who am, who am I? <laughs> what am I? What is this? Yeah, who am I? I just thought, I, I don't know who I am. I've lost myself. You know, my friends, like many of whom kind of weren't having babies at that point, would say, how are you? Or what have you been up to? And I just didn't know what to say. Anyway, I read um, an article in the New York Times by a 
reproductive psychiatrist called Alexandra Sachs, um, called The Birth of a Mother. And in that article, it had the word matrescence. And she described, um, what she defined it, um, and it means the process of becoming a mother. It was uh, originally an anthropological term, actually from the 70s, so a long time ago, coined by a medical anthropologist called Dana Raphael. And it means the process of becoming a mother. So in most cultures and societies across the world, there is a sense of a newborn mother, not just a newborn baby. And there's the sense of this being an important developmental transition and stage, um, you know, where there are big physical changes, but also psychological, emotional, spiritual, Mm -hmm. in terms of relationships, identity, and so on. And I just read this word and my shoulders dropped. And I just thought, that is what I'm in. That's that's what's going on. This like explains why I feel so weird and so kind of confused and blindsided. Um, and, and so the book that I've written matrescence is about mostly my kind of personal journey of matrescence. And I wanted to call the book matrescence because I just think, um, and know that this word is, is, is transformative because it creates a space and a kind of a, a holding container to, to describe all these big changes that happen. When I heard this word and when I looked at what it meant, I, I could not believe it. I was like, yes, 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 yes. Because you aren't the same person. And so you're saying it's almost like a rebirth of yourself. Is that what you mean? Or, or your own personal leap in life that you're sort of yeah, moving to a next level, you're moving to a different phase? A useful way of thinking about it is, and, the, and you know, the word is really similar to, to, to adolescence. So matrescence, mm. like adolescence you know there is no other life stage in in a human life course as big as adolescence matrescence is similarly seismic to adolescence so you have all the the kind of massive hormonal changes really significant brain changes that we know about now because of all the new neuroscience so there's the these these physical and physiological changes but it's very psychological and emotional and kind of mental and and it's just, it's so much bigger than I think our um, Western society and culture um, acknowledges it to be. And we know that you know, societies across the world all have rituals and rites and ways mm. of um, kind of supporting and caring for women after they've given birth and in those early motherhood months and years. But in our culture, you know, it's very much bounce back culture. You know, we've, we've got to get back to work and... Um, I think this is a real moment for us to think about how we care for for women in this in this transition. Partly because you know when people are adolescents and teenagers, we all know we all know that's a weird time and it can be a vulnerable time. But when we're teenagers, we kind of have each other. You know, it's very yeah. much you know. Of course, you know it, it can be a lonely time, but it's often a, a big time of social bonding. And you know, when I was an adolescent, I had like music and clothes and you know going out with friends and so on but in matrescence we have this similarly big change but we're often you know in our society alone with it Mm. so I think this is a really important way of thinking about both the potential vulnerability of this period so we know that it's a very um, perilous time as well for physical and mental health but also it can be a really um, kind of empowering time and 
um, a way of becoming a new person and you know jettisoning jettisoning maybe some of the things that you don't need or yeah shedding your skin and sort of thinking right who am I now and and what do I want to be what what kind of woman do I want to be now because it is it was it was so confusing and you're right just thinking back to what you were saying about how this culture you know western society sort of almost celebrates you I remember I'd gone back to work and I'd gone back very early because of the industry that we're in and for many other reasons as well also money reasons you know I'm I'm freelance I don't go to work I don't get paid and it's almost a badge of honor being able to bounce back and go back and actually I think I think I needed, looking back now, should I have a second child, I definitely would put a bit more time aside, but I I just didn't know the change that was going to happen. I knew there would be, you know, a person living in our house that was rent free, but I didn't know that how much care would have to go into this child and how much of me that I would suddenly lose and just have to say goodbye to. And I really held on to the old me for quite a bit. And I think that was the problem. I wasn't, I wasn't ready to let go of who I was and 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 I was just struggling. I, I was battling with trying to be this new person, having this baby with me. And you're right; it was the nine month stage. And I think you get to that point because the first bit is so you know hectic, isn't it? And you're in a bubble. It is a baby bubble. There is no two ways around it. There is a bit of a baby bubble going on. And then you sort of get into the real world. Maybe your other half goes back to work. And then and I do remember looking at my other half and like, you know, I'd had a C-section. I was cut in two. I had hand splints on because I had really bad carpal tunnel. I like my hair was falling out and I just stood there, shuffled into bed, exhausted. And he was just like sort of bounding around. <laughs> He'd been at work. And I was just like, oh my God, you haven't changed one bit. And like, there's a bit of resentment, isn't there? Yeah. Towards your other half. Oh yeah. That all resonates so much. And I think what you're saying, and, and this is what I um, I hear so much from um, new mothers is how kind of hidden it all is and how minimized mm. it is both you know how brutalizing birth can be on the body um to how vulnerable and how much an infant needs yes we looked up, I mean it I'd never changed a nappy before I had a baby it blew my mind <laughs> actually how much it takes to sustain human life and well-being yeah it's because everybody says oh it's the most natural thing in the world so you think oh I'll get it it'll be fine I'll, it'll just it'll happen I'll, I'll pick it up I'll know what to do but then when you're sat with the baby you're like ah oh, shit how to put a cardio on what <laughs> that is so I think that is so such a good point and I think that is part of the issue that we have at the moment is that that idea of it being natural and like the maternal mm. instinct so I thought oh I'll naturally be able to give birth I'll naturally be able to breastfeed I'll naturally have this instinct to know how to look after a baby and all those things kind of didn't didn't go to plan and actually I think that you know in our in our culture and our world at the moment it's quite cruel and oppressive the way mm. we equate kind of naturalness with certain facets of motherhood. And that means that many women feel like they failed. So I had issues with breastfeeding and in those early weeks and months, I thought I actually failed my daughter. And I, you know, it, it has taken me a long time to kind of get over that. And it was so painful. And I know that a lot of other women um, carry that kind of shame and, and sense of failure but I mean, the truth is that we're sold a lot of myths and a lot mm. of taboos. And and we would like to think that, you know, the body will be able to give birth in a particular way or breastfeed in a particular way. And you know, mothers will be able to soothe their babies in a particular way. But nature's not like that. You know, nature is 
birth injuries. It's lactation failure. I mean, I hate the word failure, but you know, it's colic. Yeah. It's, it's the terror of being a mother and looking after a vulnerable child. It's, you know, postpartum mental illness. There's a lot of, there's a lot of really big things that can happen in this period. And I think that, you know, the, the framing and, and concept of matrescence will help people be able to talk about those changes and and basically to just say, you know, this is a really big deal for us. Yes. You know, yeah, and yeah, we're yeah. expected to kind of be at home alone, go back to work, you know, bounce back, as I already said. And it's actually, it, it's bonkers. Yeah. The mental load of everything else you have to think of around it too, that just suddenly just appears is just... It's mind blowing. It is it's very overwhelming. And so matrescence, obviously pregnancy, childbirth, motherhood. Does matrescence carry on? I mean, I know I'm not asking you if you know the answer to that, especially, but because I mean, I imagine it's different for everyone. But is it something that keeps going? It keeps evolving? Or does yeah, it stop well, after two years? <laughs> what's really kind of exciting about this this word and this concept is that lots of people are kind of working on it at the moment and, and scientists are studying it in different ways. So, I mean, and there's no kind of, you know, clear cut definition. I mean, I feel like I had a very intense matrescence with my first child, but then I did have subsequent matrescences, you know, with... I was going to ask, yeah, you've got three little ones, haven't you? Yeah. And each one has felt like a different matrescence, you know, and each, you know, each birth and early motherhood for, for every woman and birthing person requires a... Um, you know, an element of support and care that I don't think that, that we give, uh, given this culture anymore. Um, but, you know, some people think matrescence goes on through the life course. So um, lots of neuroscientists are studying how the caregiver kind of brain changes shape through different kind of different ways of caregiving. So we know, for example, in, in pregnancy and early motherhood, the brain experiences profound changes and you know in anatomy and, and structure and these aren't just kind of like small little changes these are really significant ones but it seems that the brain waxes and wanes kind of through the, the early years um and then possibly they, they these changes continue perhaps matrescence never ends in a way that maybe adolescence never ends but certainly i think it's very helpful to think about the first few years you know we you know we're told six week check you know how's mum back to normal you know we're we're kind of seen it seemed like that 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 postnatal period is so short when actually I think I read something the other day which said it, it can take 10 years to recover from giving oh birth God. Oh God. <laughs> but it's true because new stuff comes up and sometimes even now thinking about the birth sometimes I'll remember something that I, I hadn't remembered and I'll just be like oh God that was awful and then you sort of like what do I do with that thought? Where does that go for this mm. moment? Like, do I sort of have to sit with it and, you know, ask my other half? He was quite traumatized by it all as well. He was very jumpy for about a month or so after it. I mean, is there a male version of it when they become a father? Is there anything or or is it as I thought they just crack on? <laughs> well, I mm. hope someone will write a book um, called Patrescence sometime. Mm. And I think that the neuroscience about the paternal brain or the, the caregiver brain is really interesting. So we all evolved in these big collective caregiving networks. So humans spent 99% of our lives in these big groups. Um, so it makes sense that all of us have the cir circuitry in our brains that enable us to, to look after infants. And the science is showing now that uh, the paternal brain changes significantly too 
particularly with hands-on care and affection. So the more kind of affectionate and hands-on a father or a non-biological mother or adoptive parent is, um, the more the brain will change, um, which makes a lot of sense. I think that's Mm. really important because it shows, again, that it's not, you know, yes, the brain changes of pregnancy and birth probably give a little bit of a head start for mothers. um, Mm. uh, But everyone can be caregivers and you know, it, father's brains change too. And I, you know, we know that fathers get postnatal depression um, and there's a lot of changes for, for them as well. My, my it must be really was, hard for them to recognise that, actually. It must be really hard for them to be able to go, what's this feeling and who can I tell? <laughs> yeah, and I really hope that changes. And, you know, I hope that as we talk more about all these um, ways of being and open up kind of honest conversations, um, which is what I hope my book will do you know that all everyone and all all different types of parents will be able to kind of find more support and you know I think there's so much stigma still around struggling Mm. and and you know things like like birth trauma and and I you know that can must be very frightening for for birthing partners and 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 fathers as well but you know things need to change uh, in terms Mm. of how how we can talk to each other and I think that's happening and I feel quite positive about it. 
and it was of my little boy and it was when he was seven months old I think and it was the, it was the cutest video obviously I think like this is my child but it's the cutest video of him just laughing and I felt an over instead of thinking oh how gorgeous I felt an overwhelming wave of guilt because I remember hating that time and I look back now and I'm like god why didn't I just enjoy it and obviously that's my brain saying that to me and I felt that way because I felt that way I felt alone I felt isolated I had you know I have my mom I have my sister I have everyone around me I have friends who have got babies but in that moment the day-to-day the waking up and um what I really found and that my mom was quite shocked about is the the lack of mother and toddler mother and baby groups or whatever in the area it might be just it I don't know it could be a London thing it could be a London-based thing it could be better further out I'm not entirely sure but if you did want to go to any anything like that you've got to pay and I just see other mums and I, you know, I, I wasn't able to be part of the antenatal classes beforehand. Uh, we changed area where we lived. I was trying to get into a new thing and uh, work as well got in the way at the time. So I didn't have that support network. And, you know, it's all this stuff that I just, I, I didn't. And also I was like, well, I'll just read about it when I get there, but you have no time to read. Like I had that baby book where it's like each step. And I was like, well, I'll read it each time I get to that step. It's just yeah. never got read. Oh. <laughs> just sat on the side, not getting read. But there doesn't seem to be that sort of, you're right, the the communal aspect to it anymore or where parents can go and... um it's like group therapy really is what a mother yeah. and baby group is it's like sitting around isn't it and everyone sharing their experiences oh exactly this and I really feel for you and I really felt so so the same and I think that you know you know I have a loving family as well but there was something there's something about like the structures and the systems I think mm. in which we live which is very um of neglecting and, and disavowing of caregivers so you know, sure start children's centers have all been closed over the last yeah, like, 10, 20 years of austerity. The library was my saving, that was like yes. my saving grace because I could go there and I knew I wouldn't be judged if my baby was crying or if I was feeding either breast or bottle, both felt shameful in different ways. And, you know, and even things like the way our urban areas are, like I've got a real thing about roads and cars, like since having children, because I think, you know, we're so our urban areas are so dominated by cars. And it's actually, it's really scary going out with young children. And you know, I was very- I edge my way out behind things first and I've sort of got the pram. I've got the front wheels of the pram. <laughs> I still do it now, sort of edge my way first to see. Yeah. Like, imagine just sticking your baby out first behind a van like it's it's so busy and it's so built up in those areas it just doesn't seem well they're not made they haven't been built (laughs) by women for women or by caregivers for caregivers you know we live in a man's world still it's very patriarchal and just like you know the foundations of our society aren't very are, are quite hostile I find that with trains I write about going on a train with my baby in the book and you know being told to kind of put up my buggy in a train you know, and it's like, how, who's going to hold my baby there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's going to help me with this? On the floor. And there's so many things like that, which just blew my mind when I became a mum, because I was like, this is really messed up. Like, like, you know, you're sending people who are very vulnerable and, you know, might've had difficult births, um, are in this huge kind of change state, trying to work it out. Not only is like our society, you know, not set up, for it but also the pressures and the expectations and I think even though like I would go to some baby groups actually sometimes I found them even more like stressful and isolating because everyone was just saying everything was fine 
Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, There's a lot of that. I yeah. did not feel fine at all. I was mm. terrified every day. And, you know, I think those are the those are the obstacles and the barriers which could be broken. You know, if we can all, if we can be vulnerable with each other and we can, you know, it can feel okay to say, you know, I'm really struggling or, you know, then, then we might be able to support each other. And then, you know, then we can redesign all the urban areas and the trains like, you know, down the line. But I think that that compassion, that element of self-compassion and compassion with each other could really free up a lot of pain. I, I, I've, I've just mm. seen so much pain and shame and, and of course joy and like ecstasy as yeah. you know, young children bring us. But the amount of women I've talked to and I, you know, I, I surveyed people for my book who were just, you know, in, in, kind of stuck in shame feelings of shame and it, it's not it's not okay we need to no it's really, not you know. no the joy windows are quite small aren't they <laughs> that's the one bit I didn't realize yeah <laughs> um so the National Childbirth Trust estimates that half of new mothers experience mental health problems but only half of those will seek help do you think that number would decline if they were properly educated on the on the changes that are to come because I think that's the one thing that, and a, a bit more honesty before the before children get here, and um, and a bit more care after it too. I think. How how do you think? I know we've talked about you know sorting the areas out and and you know mother and toddler groups, mother and baby groups, and stuff like that. But do you think? I mean, even starting in schools, talking to boys and girls about it would help. Yeah, I think so, and I hope so. So. Um my book I, I interviewed different scientists and, and psychologists and, and kind of experts in this area and you know there is you know one of them talked to me about how there are these um huge uh hormonal changes in in pregnancy birth and early motherhood which mean that some level of perinatal mental illness is is bound to happen so mm. you know, it, it is kind of a huge um physiological change which can mimic depression so um, you know, yes. Yeah, so we need treatment and better, adequate treatment for for people who are vulnerable to to, to those um, mental illnesses. However, I think there is absolutely a social element. How could anyone who is kind of left alone most days under huge amounts of kind of pressure to enjoy every minute, who is recovering from major kind of physical experience of birth? You know how how could we expect those people to be okay? You know, there's, um, I think there's a sense that if we were able to hold the woman, um, and the new mother, um, by saying, you know, this is going to, this could be like a really, you know, rocky time, or it could be, you know, it's going to, you're going to be okay, but you're mm. going to get through it, but you're going to feel a bit weird for a few months, maybe even a few years. I felt weird for a few years. You yeah. Know, you're going to need help and it's going to be okay. And, um, it's not, it's not a shameful thing to feel like that, you know? And, and I think this, this idea of matrescence just, you know, it's a kind of like a neutral term, you know, we can think about it in both, you know, the fact, like I said before, we're vulnerable, but we can also be empowered. And mm -hmm. you know, in my kind of antenatal, I just did similar to you. I moved, I moved from London to Hampshire when my baby was a few weeks old. So I missed the kind of NCT groups, but I yes. did hospital classes. Um, there was nothing about anything to do with me, you know, it was all about yeah. eating and it was about the birth and then, you know, the and cutting their nails. 
cutting their nails. Yeah. And then the six, That's a big one. The six week check, it was like, okay, we're going to do baby. Then we'll quickly do you house mum, you know, very, um, very, you know, I felt very like invisible. And, yeah. and then I had an experience with my third child of quite a severe birth injury. Um, and the lack of information before and after that, it was just kind of, it's just been quite staggering really. And I think women need more information. We need more, um, much more information about all the different changes we go through through our lives. You yeah. know, that, that was also the case for you know, miscarriage and infertility and, and yes, menopause. Yeah. You know, we really need all the information we can get. And we need to acknowledge that there is a newborn mother as well as a newborn baby. I didn't think actually the miscarriage, um, I mean, obviously having a miscarriage, you've had part of that matrescence happen with the biological and the physical, depending on how far you may get into that pregnancy. So that stage has started already. And then that's, that's your matrescence there too. Gosh, I hadn't even thought of that, that actually you could have that a couple of times over if you're trying and trying to get to that stage. Oh my gosh, it must be so exhausting. Yeah. One of the, um, one of the bits of science that I write about in my book, which a few people have talked to me about um, in the context of pregnancy loss, is this kind of incredible field of, it, it, colloquially it's called zombie cells or microchimerism. So when a baby is, is in the womb, cells are exchanged between um, the fetus and the mother and the, the cells of the baby cross the placenta and go into the mother's body. And what they're finding is that actually the cells remain in the mother's body even after the baby has come out of the body. And so, um, so those cells kind of remain, you know, whether there's been a, um, a living child or a loss. Um, and I think that's quite a kind of profoundly moving idea for a lot of people. Yeah, um, it's romantic in one sense, you know, depending on the outcome, but also devastating in another. Yeah. If miscarriage is involved, I can't, I can't you know, it's sort of hard to wrap your head around it all really, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> and I think it, I think it really speaks to this kind of general idea that so much of this is hidden. There's so mm. much of women's health and maternal subjectivity, you know, experiences of pregnancy and, and birth and early motherhood has been it's so underwritten and it's so kind of undervalued and I really feel like we're in a moment now where you know we're seeing a lot more kind of cultural depictions more honest depictions and I think and you know people have just they've had enough of it being hidden mm. and you know it, if we get it a bit more into the open I think it could have lots of different um positive effects I mean you know if, if you think about um you know economics so you know, our entire economic system um, of late stage capitalism rests on the unpaid labor of, of mostly mothers. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why that that continues is because we hide care work and we, we pretend that it's kind of easy, natural, yes. you know, <laughs> banal, like basic. But actually it's really hard. Yeah. And it's ve- it's much harder than I think our society gives us credit for. You know, nursery workers, I think it's like Tenth of nursery workers are living in poverty. I think that is just outrageous. Yeah. And they're bringing our children up for exactly. us. And, and, and I, I just and don't know how they do it, really. At the end yeah. of the day, I'm so much more exhausted. If I've done a day of work, way more exhausted looking after my little boy. I just absolutely, <laughs> it's absolutely bonkers. Uh, Lucy, it's been so 
amazing to speak to you today. Your book, Matrescence, is out now. Go get it, go read it. I mean, it's incredible. I'm so pleased that you've done this because it is really, it's really clicked with me and it's really, it's made me feel a bit more normal, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad. Thank you. Yeah, so much. I also feel a bit pepped up by it. I'm going to shout at someone, but I don't know who. <laughs> I don't know who I want to shout, but I feel like it. Um, thank you so much, Lisa. It's been lovely to speak to you. It's been so lovely. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to Mums the Word, the parenting podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. We love to hear from you. Get in touch on WhatsApp where you can send us a voice message for free, even anonymously if you want to, at 75 Or you can email us at askmumsthewordpod at gmail.com ask mums the word pod at gmail.com or leave us a review on apple podcasts it all helps we're going to be back with another episode same time same place next week hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.